Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. We have a scandal brewing in the state of Connecticut that involves the state police. An audit has found hundreds, uh, possibly uh, state troopers, who have written at least maybe 26,000 fake tickets and 32,000 tickets that have inaccuracies. Uh, There is now an investigation possibly criminal charges. And this week, Governor Lamont announced that they're going to hire an outside firm uh, to do uh, an independent investigation. Lawmakers are, are weighing in on this as well. They are calling for answers. So to get more answers on this, what it means going forward, we want to welcome Mike Lawler, who is a professor at the University of New Haven. He teaches criminal justice. He's also on a statewide uh, task force, I believe. He'll correct me if I'm uh, wrong. Worked for the Malloy administration. He's seen in the state of Connecticut as a criminal justice expert and is also on the police commission board in New Haven. So with all of that, we want to welcome you to Real Talk. And thank you for joining us. And we hope to have a good conversation here about what's going on. Hey, Susan. Glad to do it. Yeah. Uh, This, no doubt, is it's bad. I mean, when you're talking about law enforcement, uh, public servants, people who are paid for by uh, state taxpayers money and uh, that this has been going on, who knows Um, how bad in your mind do you think this is? Well, it's pretty bad. There's no question. Uh, I I think. There's a lot of question about what happens now. I mean, where, how do we move forward from from this point? But you know, uh, let's talk about what it is for starters, right? Um, in recent years, maybe a couple of decades at this point, um, when police take whatever actions they take, uh, everything gets recorded electronically, right? They the, many officers have these computer terminals in their cars, and they issue a speeding ticket or make an arrest or apply for a search warrant. I mean, they're doing everything electronically and that data is gathered. And when it comes to traffic stops, uh, for a variety of reasons, the the state has uh, required additional forms to be filled out on a computer indicating, you know, who was stopped, why they were stopped, what was their race, et cetera, et cetera. And so now for the first time, you have an electronic paper trail, which gives you very clear idea of what every officer was doing, you know, at least 10 years ago or so. And and based on that, you can now go back and audit these things to determine if there's a problem. And that's exactly what happened here. An audit was done. There was a suspicion uh, that a couple of the databases weren't agreeing with each other. The database the courts have for people who got speeding tickets and had to go to court did not match up with the database the state police have about stops, arrests, citations, warnings issued by state troopers when they make motor vehicle stops. And so that raised the question, what, what's going on here? And the aftermath of a very extensive audit, which was uh, done by outside experts, it was very clear that uh, a number of troopers had clearly entered what are false uh, traffic stop data into this uh, system. Now, why they did it remains to be seen, but it's very clear that those were just not accurate. Uh, these are stops that did not take place. Right. So very few people do things and break the law unless there's going to be some benefit to them, right? 
I, I would th- think so. So I, it's been explained. Well, in this case, it's been explained to me that a productive state trooper, someone who writes a lot of tickets, uh, can curry favor with management, get certain uh, <clears throat> projects, maybe uh, be more in line for federally funded uh, overtime, some perks to the job. Right. I mean, why else would a state trooper enter completely fake information into a system? We don't know why. We can only speculate. One possible explanation is what you suggest. Uh, Obviously, if you're very productive, you write a lot of tickets, um, that might make you more likely to get favorable treatment from your superiors. Perhaps, uh, you know, all state troopers get cars from the state. Uh, but potentially get a nicer car or a newer car. Uh, it might be relevant to your assignment. It might be relevant to a promotion. So maybe that explains it in part. Another possible explanation that's been suggested is that if you are writing fake tickets and indicating that uh, more than a few of those are basically white people, uh, that might help you avoid the suggestion that you're racially profiling by, you know, in effect, making up stops of white people to sort of offset real stops of black people. But that's just a possibility. We don't know. Another possible explanation is just pure laziness. You know, it's just make it look like you're doing stuff just so you don't get disciplined for not doing enough. Um, and- I want to I want to uh, touch on something that you said, you know, and I think for, you know, some people have obviously been paying close attention to this, but it, it has so many tentacles. It's very complicated. There's a lot to this. But in many of these fake tickets, uh, the box where there you're supposed to put somebody's race or color, it's marked white. Yeah. Uh, and there is a concern now that all of the data that's been collected maybe over the past few years on whether racial profiling, and those are checks and balances, right, that exist. Uh, it's all debunked now that that information, okay, so you're saying maybe not, but why Why do that? Why not only make a fake ticket and then put white? Is that a cover-up to they don't want to be accused of racial profiling? Well, it, I, I mean, it could be. We don't know. I mean, that's one possible explanation. Um, but don't forget, there is real data in the judicial branch. You know, people really did get tickets uh, for speeding or whatever. And you and there, you know, you know, the identity of the person. You can check to see if they're lying about race, et cetera. And, and so there is a way to double check it. The anomaly here is it turns out there's a whole bunch of tickets that were never even issued. These are right. if you could cl- you could clarify that, because, you know, when I've explained this story to people, uh, they said, well, how would they not know? I mean, people get their tickets there. Don't they pay it? Where's the money? But the issue is you put it into the system, but it right. didn't go any further from there. It was an issue submitted it or sent to this. What is it? The centralized infraction? Yeah, well, There's two different systems. There's the okay. system that the state police use to track their troopers activity. And then there's the state, the system that the judicial branch uses to keep track of cases that are getting sent to it, of people who are getting arrested or getting tickets, et cetera. Because, you know, if you plead not guilty, then the courts have to deal with that. So we know all of those and we know the name and the date and the time and the place and the charges. And, and it's easy to figure out the race for those. The question is, what about all these other ones that never really happened? Right. And and so. Um, you can go back and filter all of those out and then go back and look at who really did get stopped and who really did get a ticket and figure out if there's still some racial disparity. So it doesn't make it impossible to do the job 
that the, the, the folks who are looking at racial profiling data are doing. It just created this problem. Like, why are these people writing all these fake tickets? What's going on here? Right. And we don't know the answer to that question. We do know that thousands of fake tickets were entered into the state police data system. That's the issue here. And 26,000. At least, you know, I mean, the, the auditors who did this analysis were actually very conservative on how many they labeled as an actual false report. And uh, if it met uh, a whole bunch of criteria, then it was categorized as false report. But you can see there's thousands more that they say they apparently were were inaccurate, but wasn't as inaccurate as these other ones. And therefore, we're not even counting those. So um, and, and, you know, the state police have uh, suggested perhaps it's a training problem, perhaps it's a glitch with the software. And I think those things have basically been ruled out and I can explain how they're ruled out. But I don't know how you can rationalize or explain intentionally putting in wrong information into a computer. Well, it could be a mistake, right? And I think that's why if they have a trooper who has maybe 10 or 15 of these over the space of a couple of years, they can say, well, you know, we all make mistakes. We all push the wrong key on a computer. So they're just saying, like, we're just going to give all of those the benefit of the doubt. We're only going to count these other ones, which are completely from start to finish fabricated. And 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 so going forward, right, this can be addressed. And interestingly, in this audit, there was a couple of troops that stood out very, when I say troops, you know, the state police are divided into different areas of the state and each one has a troop letter, right? So different sort of parts of the state police were called on this a number of years ago. And then almost overnight, this phenomenon of false tickets disappeared. So presumably somebody said, okay, look, you guys, no more of these fake tickets. And then it actually stopped, right? right I think and, Westbrook, and, is that the troop that you're trying? There were a lot in yeah, Eastern Connecticut. There, there was a lot of stuff like this, but the point is you can see where uh, it, it might have been. And then you see some troopers have moved from one uh, barracks to a different barracks. And those troopers continued their false tickets in a different thing. So so it's pretty clear to see that there's there's definitely a cultural thing here, meaning within the state police that that maybe overlooked it, maybe encouraged it, maybe incentivized it. Who knows? But it's a real problem. Now, what other problems are created by this? Maybe some of these troopers have actually committed a crime. Um, maybe it's a crime called forgery, which is falsely completing a document. But even that has a lot of technicalities. And I, I'm sure the state prosecutor is sort of grappling with, is this even a crime in the first place? It's wrong, but is it a crime? So that's one complicated issue. It's also very clear at this point that the federal authorities are are looking into this as well. Maybe it's it's they're looking at it with a view towards criminally prosecuting somebody, maybe not just the troopers that did it, but maybe the supervisors who allowed this to happen or perhaps encouraged it. It's like a conspiracy. Uh, another angle, which is very problematic for our state, is <clears throat> a lot of this activity by state troopers is funded by federal grants to, you know, seatbelt checks and DWI checkpoint <clears throat> speeding enforcement. And and those grants require you to justify that you've actually done the work. And a lot of times you justify it by saying, here's how many people were stopped. during." Right, because I asked Governor Lamont this week, uh, and he's clearly disturbed by it and should be. Um, 
you know, what happens? Would Connecticut have to give some of that money back? Uh, But I don't think they want to cross that bridge yet. He said, let's wait. So they're going to hire an independent investigator. But I I think it's important to mention and uh, bring out, especially for people who are listening, and that this started uh, as a result of the police accountability law, in a sense, that passed that allows the media to FOI internal affairs uh, investigations. And yeah. that, uh, because state police have been shielded from that forever, local police departments not. And so when those IA reports were requested, it started with only four troopers who were accused uh, of uh, fabricating tickets. And then the audit was prompted and found that the problem was indeed much bigger. Yeah, and, and it's true. And, and you know what? I think this is a um, a really clear example of is the impact that technology has had on many aspects of our lives, including oversight of what government does. And so in this case, we're talking about what law enforcement does. But you see the same thing, whether it's elected officials and potential corruption or hospitals or whatever, that for the first time really ever, it's possible to analyze data that's gathered electronically because everything we do is, you know, basically electronically uh, electronic these days. Uh, And you can more or less piece together uh, every minute of the day of someone who is working and, you know, uh, their emails, their text messages, the GPS location of where they are, uh, body camera, um, other surveillance cameras, like the cameras people have in front of their homes or the cameras that are in your smartphone, you know, so now it's very difficult to get away with lying uh, or saying things that are not true. And uh, and and I think everyone is having a hard time coming to grips with this. You know, I have to tell my students at the University of New Haven who are, you know, criminal justice majors, many of whom want to go into law enforcement, say, like, the, the things you're putting on social media today, the photos of you today, even if you didn't take them, your friend took them, of you maybe drinking underage or, or or smoking cannabis or something, you know, the facial recognition technology will find that. Wow. And you will be asked in a background check, have you ever done X, Y, or Z? And the person asking you may be looking at a photo of you doing it, and here you are denying it. So yeah. this has really changed the reality. And I think a lot of people are having a hard time dealing with this, uh, the transparency that goes along with, with uh, technology. And, and I think the pushback you're seeing Again, we're only talking about law enforcement here, but this applies across the board, including the job that I used to have as a state legislator, you know, that 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 your ability to 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 lie to people or to mislead people is really constrained by the fact that everyone can go back and check. They can see videos of what you said 10 years ago. They can right. You know articles. criminal behavior better than most. And many people who do something wrong often think they're never going to get caught. And the reality is with today, the technology makes it easier to get caught. Much easier and actually much more likely. Um, Just look at this, the serial killer they just arrested on Long Island. I mean, that was all pieced together uh, using pings on his burner phone that he had, but they were able to figure out and link him directly to those phones, to those locations. You know, I mean, if you set your mind to it and, and, you know, I've mentioned this to you before, but my first experience seeing this up close and personal 
when I was on the impeachment committee investigating former Governor Rowland, and we hired these investigators who were very high tech at the time. This is 20 years ago. And they were able to piece together pretty much every minute of the governor's day and contradicting many of his excuses or explanations or 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 or, or you know alibis that he had for the different allegations and had them nailed dead to rights. And and so this is the new reality. And this is the advice I give to police officers in the different roles I have now is like, look. Don't say things that are not true in any kind of an official report or investigation. Just don't do it. Don't exaggerate. Don't make stuff up. You know, don't lie. You know, and if you get caught doing something wrong, we all make mistakes. Just own up to it. And what I've seen firsthand with some New Haven police officers and with some uh, police officers elsewhere in the state in, in my various roles is that. Sometimes police officers will now double down on their lies, even though we're looking at very clear evidence that they're lying. It's really unfortunate. I mean, this comes at a time, you know, when, uh, you know, law enforcement are having are struggling uh, with the respect and trust in the community. And let's put it into perspective. I mean, you have 800 plus state troopers. This is not the majority of them. Uh, It's like anything else. You know, I mean, you have some bad apples here, but let's go forward here. So um, you might have some criminal charges coming out of the state uh, attorney's office, uh, but that investigation has been going on for several months now. uh, And there's a possibility the statute of limitations may run out. And some of those troopers that were involved uh, may not get charged. Um, You have an independent investigation that the governor is going to call for. Uh, Lawmakers are holding a hearing um, next week. What do you think are the ramifications for this? Will upper management be ultimately held accountable if indeed they find that a percentage of their force, their troopers, have lied and falsified tickets? Yeah, so the governor said if it turns out that troopers or, or or supervisors were deliberately doing this, they should be terminated. That's what he said. And 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 that I think is the new rule. I mean, if you get caught lying in official documents, you're gonna get fired. And uh and I and I you know, I think people are very serious about that, and that will be the consequence. Whether or not people get arrested, you know, it's complicated whether or not this actually is a crime. It's definitely wrong. There's definitely consequences to doing it, but it may or may not technically meet the definition of the actual crimes on the state books. Now, the federal, I mean, it's very clear their federal investigators are in on this as well at the moment. And sometimes they ask the state to sort of stand aside and let them handle it. The feds have a longer statute of limitations, depending on the extent of the the fraud here. If uh, the federal taxpayers were paying for things that really weren't happening because people lied about the fact that they were happening, um, then, you know, th- there may be conspiracy charges happening on the federal level. But I'm Governor Lamont also said that those who are who intentionally did this should be let go, but that yeah. their management may want to take a look at their own situation and right. employment. So I can't imagine that if you find at the end of the day that this uh, was a rampant, blatant why, uh, that you're not going to see some colonels and the commissioners leave. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it seems like this is something of a cultural thing. So it's probably it's not a couple of rogue 
troopers. This is something that's been going on for a while and it seems relatively widespread. And it's hard to imagine that happened without people being aware it was going on. Uh, the other thing that we haven't talked about yet, and which may actually be the most significant outcome of this whole uh, drama, is the fact that um, if you have law enforcement officers, in this case, state troopers, who you now know falsely completed reports and in effect lied, um, then that is what lawyers refer to as exculpatory information, meaning that if that trooper was part of an investigation or is going to testify in a case, the prosecutors have to give this information to the defense attorneys to say, okay, this law enforcement officer has been proven to have lied in an official investigation before. And that, of course, would be used to cross-examine that officer or to to try and exclude any investigation that he maybe wrote a report about. And th that's called Brady material. And the United States Constitution requires that to be handed over. And so now the prosecutors have to go through this elaborate process of determining which troopers clearly lied in these reports and then what cases have they been involved with, including perhaps some cases that have already been resolved with a conviction where somebody might be able to ask for a new trial based on the fact that they were not aware at the time of their trial or when they entered their guilty plea that one of the investigators had been lying uh, in official proceedings. So this is the this is another aspect of this, you know, which doesn't involve anybody getting arrested, doesn't involve anybody having to pay any money, but it does involve the credibility of our of our criminal justice system. And as you said, you know, most I mean, I deal with police officers all the time. Most of them are very highly motivated, are doing the right thing, especially the newer people coming on board. You know, we're involved in the hiring in New Haven. And the people we're interviewing to become New Haven police officers are extremely impressive. And and it's clear that, and they say that they're, they want to do this because they want to restore confidence in, mm -hmm. in policing. They want to win the trust of the people in the community. So this is a battle. And one way to help win this battle is to make it clear this is not acceptable and that there will be consequences if it can be proven that you deliberately entered false information in an official report. But I think, sadly, the public's trust has been shattered and will continue to be, I think, as we learn more. And what is more important in life for all of us to have a good reputation, much less someone law enforcement, because, you know, they are uh, the people that we look up to in our communities who help us. Uh, but you've highlighted that this is a huge mess and it has a lot of ramifications going forward. But I'm gonna... one, one story that inspires me from my younger days, uh, when I when I, I was a prosecutor for a while, and, and in order to get hired as a prosecutor, you had to, you know, basically impress the, the head prosecutor at the time, whose name was Arnold Markle in New Haven, and he used to do these trainings for police about searches and seizures and the Constitution and stuff. And, and one thing he would say at every meeting was, the best thing in the world, in his opinion, is a good cop. But then he would add the worst thing in the world is a bad cop. And the reason he said that and he explained it is because when you treat a citizen with disrespect in a motor vehicle stop or any kind of an encounter, that individual is never going to forget that. And they're going to assume all police are like that. And, and when they have to be a juror or a witness or a victim, 
they're not going to cooperate with us. They're not going to believe us. They're not going to trust us. And that undermines the whole system. And so since that day, that's one lesson that stayed clearly in my mind. You have to treat people with respect. You have to be honest. The expectations are higher for you. After all, they call you a law enforcement officer. I'm going to leave uh, you with this. Uh, and that is, you know, someone sent me an email anonymously saying that, you know, why are you demonizing the state police? And, you know, I think the anger or the frustration is misguided. I think it, they have to look within at some of their own state troopers who did this and have damaged the reputation of so many. And unfortunately, I think the scars of this will be with us for a long time. So I hope we uh, get to have you back on. I think there are going to be many more developments going forward. So I want to thank you for joining us on Real Talk. Thank you, Mike Lawler. Anytime.